Welcome to LifeBeat. I'm your host, Chris Gast, Rights Life of Michigan's Director of Communication and Education. Joining us today is our Education and Events Coordinator, Emily Krull. Emily, how are you today? The sun is out, the birds have started singing, so I'm an optimist today. That's great. I wouldn't know. My office has no windows here. I have so. two, so I am a oh, fortunate yeah, person. Um, well, we're going to talk about a lot of things today. I think a common theme is bad public officials, bad presidents, bad governors, bad attorneys general, uh, bad judges. There so, went my optimism. <laughs> it's all bad. Um, so we're going to talk about a bunch of bad people and bad decisions today. Uh, let's start off first with the uh, stimulus or relief package or whatever you want to call it. I've, I've been stimulated so many times by the federal government. I don't even, I don't even, I'm just a ball of excitement every day of my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the government, uh, so Congress passed, President Biden signed into law $1.9 trillion relief package, uh, ostensibly to help America recover from economic woes caused by the pandemic and uh, public health measures taken. And Emily, one thing, as we've mentioned, conspicuously missing is the uh, Hyde Amendment. Uh, so this money can be spent on abortion. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, $1.9 trillion will be spent on abortion. It's got, you know, its own specific earmarks for where it's supposed to go. Uh, but there is a, a big pot of money, at least, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars that are in categories vague enough that they could be spent directly on abortions. And because the Hyde Amendment is not in there, which prevents taxpayer funding of abortion, then it can be spent on abortion if state or federal officials administering these programs so choose. So that's bad. Very bad. Very bad. That's a, it's a gap in, in the armor of the Hyde Amendment, as we called it in our Thursday Pro-Life Update email, which, by the way, if you don't get... Subscribe at the bottom of our website, rtl.org, and you will always be in the know. You won't have to rely on me and Emily talking at you for these news items. You can just read what we write, and you're all set. It is much faster <laughs> just to read it. It is, but I like the talking. And, you know, we can't uh, complain and kvetch as often as we can in an email okay. as we can True. Uh, in, an, in a podcast. So, I mean, the bottom line is there were th it's, it's good news that there were three Democratic senators willing to support the Hyde Amendment. So had uh, one senator was away at a funeral. So the vote on the Hyde Amendment w would have been 53 to 47. It was 52, um, 52, 47. And you think, oh, that's good. But because of the reconciliation rules they use, which is kind of an arcane procedure for passing the budget, the goal of that is so like the federal budget isn't filibustered um, of course, this wasn't the federal budget. And so uh, because of this weird rule structure, having a majority vote wasn't good enough. They needed 60 votes. And what these three Democratic senators did in the end, um, and they were uh, Tim Kaine from Virginia, who, of course, ran for vice president in 2016, Joe Manchin from West Virginia, who's probably 
the, uh, I don't know what you would say, the toughest, but as we'll see, not so tough, uh, toughest of the dissidents in the Democratic side of the Senate. And then the other one was Bob Casey, son of the actual pro-life Democrat, Bob Casey. Um, so they all voted to add the Hyde Amendment to this package. The Senate parliamentarian said, nope, you need 60 votes because of the reconciliation rules. And when it came time for the final vote, those three senators voted yes. So without a single Republican vote, uh, even though there's a majority in the Senate supporting adding the Hyde Amendment, we have a, a huge pot of money allocated that the Hyde Amendment doesn't cover. Um, how many abortions will this end up being spent on? I'm not sure. Uh, we won't know until after the fact. Um, but it's probably not zero. California loves abortion, don't they? Yes, they do. They're going to find ways to spend it. So, you know, we'll see what happens with it. But that just goes to show that they're perfectly willing to pass spending bills without the Hyde Amendment when the uh, fiscal year 2022 budget comes up, which is at any point, you know, the money runs out at the end of September. So we're going to have to have a budget fight and a government shutdown fight again uh, at some point. We're going to have to have someone grow a spine, whether that's Joe Manchin uh, or the others, uh, because right now the Democrats have enough votes without a single Republican to wipe away the Hyde Amendment, and that means all that Medicaid money, hundreds of billions of dollars, uh, can be used on abortions, free abortions in the United States of America, if the Hyde Amendment isn't defended in that budget fight. Odds on Joe Manchin... Having a spine when I, it comes to the budget? I wouldn't trust Joe Manchin as far as I could throw him. Um, and that's just because this isn't the first time he has uh, voted for an amendment on the bill in something that he verbally supports. And then when it comes to passing the total bill, just forgetting anything he voted for before and voting along party lines. So I'm, I'm not optimistic. My optimism from earlier today didn't last past the opening <laughs> so um but i i i have hope not optimism it's a different thing there you go uh you know and elections have consequences if those two georgia senate races or even one of the georgia senate race uh would not have ended that way it'd be an entirely different show but um People stayed home. They felt their vote didn't matter. It became a self-fulfilling self prophecy because of that. Uh, the Democrats control the Senate. They are all, none of them are pro-life. Uh, you know, Manchin, Casey, and Kane were at least willing to half-heartedly support the Hyde Amendment. You know, if it comes to a shutdown fight, they weren't willing to hold up the pandemic relief. Because of that, are they going to be willing to shut down the shut down the government if Nancy Pelosi said and, and Chuck Schumer say, you know, we're not going to pass a federal budget unless it funds free abortions in the United States? I don't know. Yeah, I, you know, that's why you have to go out and vote for pro-life candidates. I'll just say, if you have the mindset that your vote isn't going to matter and, oh, they're just going to cheat anyway, that's just a horrible mindset. Make them cheat even more. Make it more difficult. Why don't make it easy for them? Don't roll over, lay down, and roll out a red carpet for them. That is the worst possible thing you can do. Your vote very obviously matters because we were 
just a few votes away in Georgia from the Democrats not controlling the Senate. True. True. And the more they Please have to cheat, the vote. more they have to cheat, the easier it is to catch. Right. Now, I personally do not think that they, they cheated all that much uh, beyond the normal stuff with, you know, mail-in ballots and absentees and not cleaning up lists and, and whatnot. And we don't want to get into all that now, but... I mean, if you are of that mindset, then don't just roll over. Bad. This is what happens. And now we have to deal with the effects of these decisions. Speaking of that, dealing with consequences for your decisions, Emily. Joy. <laughs> Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo. Uh, under fire today, uh, a press conference where he is, would unrepentant be... I mean, I guess he, he he denied all wrongdoing, sexual wrongdoing. So I can't, so technically not unrepentant because he, doesn't, he says he doesn't have any sexual harassment or other allegations to repent of. I would use the word belligerent. Always belligerent. Yes, he is from New York. 100% belligerent. Like that time you said pro-lifers aren't welcome in our state. Yeah. Um, message received, Governor Cuomo. Well, apparently old people are not welcome in his state either because, you know, it's kind of funny. You know, he's under fire for these uh, sexual harassment allegations and not that that's a bad thing or I should say not that that's an improper thing. Um, but everyone is kind of forgetting the whole, you know, he lied to the public and doctored reports to cover up the fact that uh, old people in these retirement homes and elder care facilities were purposefully exposed to the coronavirus by his order, people died. Thousands and thousands of people died. Apparently this isn't a big deal. Uh, and he lied about it with these reports. And he uh, had his staff lie about he it. He had his staff lie about it so he could sell books. Now, I, I, I didn't research it. Did he personally benefit from selling the book? Did he donate it? Maybe he donated. I don't know. But the, 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 the guts on that guy to fake all this stuff and then write a book like, oh, we did so great. And then to be held up as the example of the COVID conqueror Cuomo. Uh, it, it's, it's sad. The The thing that's really a lot of people don't know about this whole COVID, COVID Cuomo scandal is that in addition to forcing elderly COVID positive patients into nursing homes, he also forced mental health facilities to take. Oh yeah, that came out. That yeah. came out too. And he never rescinded that order. So today in New York, a mental health facility cannot refuse to take a COVID patient from a different facility he demanded that hospital ship be sent to new york didn't use it didn't use it the big mo uh, hospital set up in samaritan's the parks purse. by samaritan's purse empty they, they tried it. to get rid of them they hated too, it because they weren't politically correct enough uh no you can't come help us save people's lives We're we don't like you you are Ugh. you like donald trump or something um <laughs> now now, we bring this up because, well, A, Andrew Cuomo is rabidly, rabidly pro-abortion, as in light up the Empire State Building pink in celebration of abortion on demand through all nine months of pregnancy, 
rabid. Um, but we, back a year ago, uh, with the pandemic, we're getting, if not a, not an insignificant amount of comments from abortion supporters, you know, taking the latest issue to say, oh, you're not really pro-life because we aren't supporting the governor and all of her pandemic decisions and mandates and masks. And, and if you were really pro-life, you would be telling everyone to do everything Governor Whitmer says. Um, and, you know, our response is, we're not the CDC. It's not our job to weigh in on, on uh, basic public health issues. It's not our job to weigh in on whether the stimulus bill overall was a good idea or a bad idea. Uh, it's not our, it's not, it's not something we're supposed to weigh in on, but you know, um, our issues include assisted suicide and euthanasia and the elderly and the infirm are the primary targets of that sadly deemed not worth living, have life not worth living, uh, don't have the same value as a young person. Um, well, if you're going to drag us into this, Hey, why are we putting patients with the coronavirus into facilities that have the most high-risk population available? As in, this isn't even, this shouldn't even be a pro-life thing. This is like a common sense, what the bleep are you thinking kind of thing. Um, and Andrew Cuomo, obviously, I don't know, what, what, what were they thinking? You know, they, they get so afraid by the pandemic and we have to find treatment for these people that they just... Don't think through the consequences, or do they not care because it's elderly people? You know, or is it more sinister than that? We just don't know. Andrew Cuomo, very sinister guy, belligerent. Even yeah. when he smiles, he looks belligerent. He reminds me of your stereotypical New York gangster. Um, really. Michael Corleone has more charm than Andrew Cuomo. Um, do you get that reference? No, I don't get that reference. I don't. But that's okay. I'll nod my head. Sorry, folks. We're going to have to go go to the mattresses here with Emily. Um, it's from The Godfather. Okay. okay. Yeah, never seen it. All right. Well, uh, we bring you know up Andrew Cuomo as well just to point out that, hey, you know, um, Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Same thing. Um, slight, I think the policy was slightly different, but... Uh, Putting people in, what did they, what were they called? Regional care facilities? Regional hubs. Regional hubs. Um, you know, and is the data that we're getting based on that from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services totally accurate? We don't know. Yes. No. Maybe. They haven't re filled out their FOIA requests, so we really don't know. Yeah, the governor is not having a, not having a real bright spot lately in the whole issue of transparency. Of course, some of those issues are a little bit beyond our area, but yeah, um, why isn't she being investigated? Why aren't these numbers being tracked? Who is responsible and accountable for that? This is a big deal. Thousands of people died. Um, and perhaps, you know, you can forgive at the very, very, very beginning uh, doing it because everyone, I remember everyone was so terrified. We didn't have enough ventilators and people would have to be stacked up like cordwood in, I don't know, like gyms. Um, I can understand that, but for the policy to continue for weeks, uh, even after it became clear that the hospital space wasn't needed, uh, you know, I, is Governor Whitmer ever going to be held accountable? 
I don't know that Andrew Cuomo ever will. Because if he's held accountable for, if he, if he did commit all these sexual harassment uh, claims and he's taken down, I heard he, there's a criminal referral to New York police. You know, if he gets taken down for that, you know, and he did it, then that's just. But what about this? What about lying about all this, you know, data? Literally Proven. thousands of Like, dead this people. is not beyond dispute. Like, when is he going to be held accountable for that? That's just, it blows my mind. The media is just not interested in that. Smoke and mirrors. They're just not interested. Well, what the... Smoke and mirrors. What, what, what good are you for, you know? Um, uh, yeah. That's so sad. Moving on to an even more belligerent person. Oh, goodness. So Andrew Cuomo looks belligerent and has a belligerent manner. A belligerent, obviously, in some policies, but... Probably there's no public official more belligerent to people she disagrees with in the entire nation than our Attorney General, Dana Nessel. God bless her. Such a nice person. Um, sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sarcasm. Well, we bring up our Attorney General lately because, Emily, uh, we have the rule, a, protect, a, a Trump policy going the Supreme Court. And pro-life attorney generals weighed in, attorney, excuse me, attorneys general weighed in mm -hmm. and said, yes, this policy's okay. And who didn't? Dana Nessel. So, Emily, I, what I don't get is, so, so the Supreme Court is taking up a challenge to President Trump's protect life rule, which says that, you know, Title X law says you can't use money for abortion, this family planning program. Therefore, you know, just because Planned Parenthood says they're keeping track of the money different in their budget really doesn't mean that's the case. You can't have an abortion facility with abortion uh, facility staff uh, getting money to pay for it. And then they just say, oh, well, th these other people that were in the clinic at the time, this is what the money's going for. Um, obviously, it was a good thing that President Trump wrote this rule to get rid of it. Right now, the rule is in limbo and basically on its way to be taken out because uh, President Joe Biden wants to fund abortion and abortion facilities as much as humanly possible, uh, as much as legislatively possible. Um, oh, that's another topic we'll need to bring up in a second. Um, a final a final segment that just popped up in my head. Uh so I don't understand why the Supreme Court is taking up this challenge when President Biden is going to get rid of the rule. Now, technically, it's good the Supreme Court is taking up this challenge, Emily, because one appeals court said, yes, the Protect Life rule is fine. The Supreme Court already spoke on this in a case called Rust versus Sullivan. I know we've mentioned it in the podcast before. Um, another uh, circuit court said this policy isn't fine because we love abortion, basically. The Fifth Circuit said, no, it's not fine. And the Ninth Circuit said, yes, it is fine. Whoa. I believe that's what, what? I believe that's what it was. You know, we're in a funny world where because it was the Ninth Circuit Court that used to be the wackadoodles. I know. And, and now we've reversed. And the Ninth Circuit Court is the voice of sanity in America. Just think Ninth Circuit <laughs> is the West Coast. <laughs> Just another, just another, you know, the world broke in 2015. It just did. another item to bring that to your attention. Um, so the Supreme Court is going to take this challenge up. I don't know if they're going to then get rid of it and say it's moot. 
once President Biden formally gets rid of the Title X policy because they love to save themselves time, they have, you know, so many cases they need to work on, or they're going to rule on it anyway, even though it's moot, which would be good for us so they can say, hey, no, stop, you can't challenge this thing. Um, you know, because it's ridiculous how long these court challenges go on. There's a news story that we're going to share on our social media when we have some time next week that Texas, after five years, is finally able to take Planned Parenthood out of their Medicaid program. You know, the abortion industry can take an issue that is clear cut and drag it out five years so they can keep getting funding in that time if they just find a friendly judge. Um, and our pro-abortion attorney general, Dana Nessel, even though the Supreme Court has been clear and Title X nowhere says that abortion in facilities are guaranteed to get this money, um, but her voice is missing. It would have been really nice to have, uh, you know, Attorney General Tom Leonard joining the crowd saying that, yes, uphold the Protect Life rule, but elections have consequences. The Attorney General narrowly won her election, way more narrowly than um, uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer or Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson. And so that's what we have to live with. 2022, here we come. 2022, it, it, as it should be so clear to everyone, it's so vital that these 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 races matter. A, a pro-life governor would make our work so much easier. We wouldn't have to do petition drives. B, if we did have to do a petition drive, a pro-life secretary of state. Heck, we don't need a pro-life secretary of state. We just need a secretary of state who isn't playing for the other team. That'd be nice. That would be nice. You know, playing around with the rules and challenging rules that have been passed by the legislature and just messing around with our whole timeline. That was fun. Uh, just just another addition to the petition drive that made it harder. A pro-life attorney general who, uh, you know, would defend pro-life laws. Very important. A pro-life legislature, obviously. A pro-life Michigan Supreme Court. Um, right now we don't have a pro-life Supreme Court. Uh, we're pretty limited by what we can do if, if everything we do is just going to get slapped down. Um, so elections have consequences. I'm going to say it. I, I'm going to be on my deathbed. And my family's going to lean in and be like, Chris, what do you have to say? And it's going to be, elections have consequences. And then I'm going to shuffle off this mortal coil with that being my final point. Epic. Um, <laughs> so there you go. So the topic that just occurred to me, Emily, I don't think we talked about that letter on the podcast, have we? No, From we haven't. From True Life Evangelicals for Biden. Oh, this is a fun one. So uh, there was a group that is not very big and of not great influence other than, you know, the media boosted their message all over the place. And the name of their group was Pro-Life Evangelicals for Biden. If the media hadn't boosted it, you would never have heard about them. And... Um, I, I don't want to say it, it's nobodies because, you know, everybody is somebody. And some of these people were in, involved in institutions that uh, you would recognize um, if you looked through them. However, uh, they issued a statement, obviously. I mean, that's the name of their group. They voted for Biden because why? I don't know. Um, but they released a letter. There was some debate whether this letter was genuine because they, the media doesn't care about them now. When they're complaining, no attention. Media dropped them real quick. Um, as did the Biden administration, as the letter <laughs> said. 
So the letter basically was, we are shocked and appalled that after voting for President Biden and speaking to his campaign, there were promises that, that they would reach out to us and consult with us. And that's why we felt comfortable voting for him. And they haven't done any of that. And we feel used and deceived. It's because you were. But it's no, there's no feeling about it. They were used and deceived. At no point in now President Joe Biden's campaign did he support any pro-life measures. He came out against the Hyde Amendment in the, on the campaign trail. He talked about wanting to um, codify, put into federal law the right to abortion. At no point did he ever say that he was going to compromise on those facts. And if they weren't paying attention to that, honestly, I don't have a lot of sympathy. Well, Emily, I guess it was so important that we have a president who doesn't send mean tweets and instead calls people, you know, lying dog face pony soldiers and other, <laughs> and hey fat and other great epithets like that. And he's going to put on the international pressure. <laughs> yeah, excuse me, compliments. I guess it was so important to them. Um, <laughs> Well, you know, we post it on social media because even though the broader media doesn't care about these people or the Biden administration anymore, they served their singular purpose, which was increasing uh, the power differential in favor of the abortion industry and Joe Biden. Um, we posted it, you know, and we were up front. We said, you know, we can't really confirm because their website is just one big petition drive to collect names. They don't have any of content really on their website other than a way of collecting names. You know, what they do with these names, who knows. Um, but it was confirmed because I saw a news story. I don't know if you saw this, Emily. But the uh, the lead person of this group said that uh, I, I feel betrayed and used. Um, if I could go back in time, I wouldn't have, like, publicly supported him with my voice. But I still would have voted for him anyway. And I still would have voted for him anyway. I have been using a lot, especially in this situation, one of my favorite quotes of all time from an author called George R. R. Martin. And he says, anything said before a but in the sentence means nothing. It means nothing. Because if you're saying a but, you're disregarding everything you said before and believing the opposite. And that's that's what this, this man came out and he said. He said, I'm pro-life. I'm pro-life, but... but it doesn't work that way. You either are pro-life or you are not. If you put a but in that sentence, then you're leaving yourself open for manipulation. If, if you believe that abortion is wrong, if you believe that tearing the arms and legs off of a child in the womb is immoral, and you vote for a elected official who says that not only is that okay, but I'm going to force people to engage in it. I'm going to force people to pay for it to make it happen. You you have completely wrong priorities. And you probably really honestly deep down don't believe that abortion's that wrong. If you honestly believed that a human being is having their life taken from them, if you honestly believe that an 80-year-old person in a retirement home in New York has actual human value and public officials come along and purposefully take actions that end their lives 
and you just don't do anything about it, well, you you are not being rational. You, you, you don't really believe what you say you believe. You're lying to yourself or you're lying to others. Um, and if you're listening and you voted for President Biden and you believe abortion is wrong, you should have known better. I can't put it any other way and I can't put it in a nicer way to make you feel better. You shouldn't feel good about it because right now we're talking about funding hundreds of thousands of abortions, maybe all of them, uh, based on what happens with the federal budget. You know, and we're talking about we can't even hold a governor responsible for obvious faking numbers. You know, if you're pro-life, if you believe these things are wrong, then you have to act on those beliefs and you have to speak up and know you can't use your voice for the other side and still sleep at night. So start be with intellectually life. consistent and start Please. with life. Start with life. All right. That's all the time we have for this edition of Life Beat. Join us again next week. Our feature is going to be on pro-life apologetics, talking about abortion 101, maybe 201, college level even. We'll go through it all. Getting the honors out. Talk to you then. Have a great weekend.